All right, welcome to 1111. So glad you made it here today. This is beautiful weather we've been having. Epic Houston weather. Glad that you're here. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out and a congrats to my friend Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears for bringing back, for bringing back a basketball national title to the great state of Texas. First time since 1966, a long time. Um, a lot of you know this, some of you don't, but if you don't, uh, let me say this about the guys in my family. We have a horrible sense of directions. We do. You know those people you know who are, you know, geographically challenged? That's the young guys. My little brother Cliff, a little better than me, but still, you know, lost as a goose. Ed. Are you kidding me in Dallas? Horrible sense of directions. But the worst, the kingpin of bad directions is my dad, okay? He can get lost in his own closet. He gets lost coming out of the driveway. Do I have an amen from anybody who knows? Doctor, yeah, amen, yeah. It's, so I'm not calling him out. I'm a part of it too, it's just a matter of degree. So when I go to a mall, and I don't go to malls these days. They're so crowded and confusing. It's a big hassle. It's easier to do it online. But when I do go to a mall, and, and, I'm, and I'm hunting, because when guys go to a mall, we hunt. We don't shop, okay? We hunt. We have one thing we want to kill. And so when I go to a mall, I'm overwhelmed by the different places and ways you can go, especially the Galleria. Are you kidding me? So I'm so thankful that in those malls, they have those kiosks that have a map and it has different colors and it has numbers and it has the name of the store on it. All that stuff is so helpful for people like me and my family, okay? But the most helpful part of the map, it's not the color coding, it's not the numbers, uh, it's not having even the names of the particular stores. It's that red dot this right there that has those three profound words. Let's say it together. You are here. Thank you. I'm so glad to know where I am. Right here by Macy's and H&M, now I can find my way. I like it. I like maps like that for simple people like me, people who don't really understand north, south, east, west, cannot give directions or follow directions because it tells me where I am, where I'm situated in this particular moment, in this particular time. How they know that I'm there is amazing, but they do every time, every time. And I think that as we, as we go through our life, we find that red dot moves, don't we, as far as where we are and the environment we're in, the circumstances we're in. And, and some of us would say here today, you know, my red dot, I am right here. <laughs> I'm, I'm a single parent trying to raise three kids. I have two and a half jobs, and that's where I am. Someone else would say, I, I am a sophomore in high school, and I'm simply trying to get through this crazy year. I don't know what's gonna happen next. I don't know how I fit in. I don't know if I'm really being accepted. That's where I am. 
Others would say, I'm in the midlife. I'm wondering, what have I been doing the last 25 years? Have I made an impact? Am I doing the right thing? That's where I am. And maybe you're wondering, where, where do you need to be? Given your red dot, where you are, what does a win look like for you? What, what does it success look like for you? Let's see what God's word has to tell us about that today. Now, we've been studying the book of Houstonians, also known as Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. If not, probably have a Bible on your phone. There's a Bible right there on the screen in front of you or in the lower thirds if you're watching at home still. And we're going to get into it and we're going to answer the question that I put out there last week on Easter because I'm mean. And that is, what is the most important ingredient for a successful life? Well, let's see what Paul has to say about that as the ink comes from his pen. He says, brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, you're, you're mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. I, I want to give you some meat. I want to give you some good stuff. I want you to go to the next level, but you're still a bunch of babies. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not acting like mere human beings instead of people who are, yes, human, but filled with the Spirit of God? So, Paul, right off the bat, is basically helping us grade or measure where we are in our growth process. Some of us here are brand new. We're brand new to God. We're brand new to church. We're infants or babies, and we're drinking milk. Awesome. That's where you are. You should drink milk. You should eat the baby food. You're learning. Others of us are not there. We've been around for a while. We've been in church for a while. We've heard God's word for a while. And we are still gobbling down the Gerber. What does he say? How do we know whether we're on solid food or eating Gerber food? He said, look at your relationships. The quality of your relationships with others reflects the quality of your relationship with God. How well I'm connecting with others right here on the horizontal plane is really determinative of how I'm really interacting with God on the vertical plane. As John says in 1 John, how can you say, I love God, I love God, when you don't even love your neighbors around you? You're filled with jealousy and quarreling and strife in your relationships. Therefore, I can't give you this meat, this steak, this protein you need to get stronger. And then he goes on 
In verse 5, he says, what after all is Apollos? And who is Paul? What is Paul? We're just servants to whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God was making it grow. So neither the one who Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, and you are God's building. So what is it? What is it, Paul? What is that one ingredient that we need to have for a successful life. Well, let's go back to seventh grade. I I went to public schools most of my life, and in seventh grade, I had a teacher, a science teacher, by the name of Mr. Bethay. But we called him Coach Bethay because he was really a coach. And back in the day, at least where I went to school, the coaches, whether you coach football, basketball, or baseball, they had to teach somewhere else, not just PE. They may be a biology teacher of all things, a math teacher, uh, you know, whatever. But we had this, this one coach, Coach Bethay, who was our science teacher. Big guy, curly hair, kind of freckles, you know, kind of tough guy, probably played college football or something like that. And I remember <laughs> during that year, almost every day we came into class and we saw that projector, young people, ask your parents, that film projector in the middle of the room, which meant we weren't going to have class. We we're just going to watch a film about frogs and amoebas or something like that. We did that literally almost every day of the week the entire year. <laughs> Nothing like public education. And so that's what we do. We watch films in the science class. And, and Coach Bethay, I mean, he was such a character in many ways, but one of the things I liked about him was the way he handled fights in our class. So we had fights all the time in our school, you know, fights during uh, recess, fights during PE, fights uh, in class. And I remember when there was a fight in the class, and I mean literally fights in the class, people going after it, people yelling and having a circle like you're in some kind of prison. And uh, during the fight, Coach Bethay is just up there behind his desk. Again, this was supposed to be science class. So we had those big old black desks that had those Bunsen burner things on every day. Remember those? And so he would just sit back there and not do a thing. He's just writing. And they're over there getting after it. Bam, bam, people are yelling, boom, boom. And he's just writing. And once the fight's over, everybody's calmed down. He just hands both people that are involved in the fight a pass to the principal's office. Now, that was back in the day when the principal and the coaches had paddles. And they could give you a little discipline. Whole other message, we don't have those today. But at the end of the year, um, we, we would receive annuals. And I don't know. Young folks, help me out. Do you still receive annuals today or parents, right? Do they still have annuals today it, or not? Is everything virtual? Do they have annuals? Yes, they have annuals. Yes. Okay, they do. So you know what I'm talking about, an annual, the picture of everybody in the class there and, you know, the clubs are in, the sports and all this stuff. So in Texas, it's a yearbook. Okay, thank you. 
Well, back in South Carolina, we called them annuals. Yearbook. <laughs> like I said, I had a poor education until I came here. So our yearbook, annual, if you're from the Carolinas, at the end of the year, you would pass them out to your friend and say, hey, will you sign my Okay, yearbook. Yearbook. Will you sign my yearbook? And people will put notes, you know, really nice notes and encouraging notes and stuff like that. I'll never forget what Coach Bethay wrote in my yearbook. Gosh, I can't, I can't make the transition. In my yearbook, he put, Ben is a good student and a pretty good basketball player who needs to lift weights and get stronger. <laughs> Love, no, Coach Buffet. And I thought about that for many years. Obviously, here I am as a grown man. I still remember what was written in my yearbook by my coach. But he was right. He was right. I was an okay player, but I had no strength, and I needed to get bigger, and I needed to grow. And the only way I would do that was to get in the weight room. He was 100% right. So what Paul is saying to us here today, as he spoke to the Corinthians years ago, as he's speaking to us today through his word, is this. Is that if you want to be successful in life and successful in your relationship with God and with others, then you always have to have a growth mindset. No matter where you are, in the red dot of your life, in the map of your life, you always have to have a growth mindset. God help me where I am in this season of my life to go with you and to grow with you because I know that's your will and that's my, your plan for my life. God's in the growth game. He wants us to mature. He wants us to get stronger. He wants us to move forward in our life, in all aspects of our life. Whether you're talking about your education, whether you're talking about your vocation, whether you're talking about your family, he wants us to have a growth mindset. Luke 2.52. It's what I call one of those flyover verses in the New Testament. But I think it's really critical. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus' last words in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. The word disciples means learners. Learners. You're not just learning when you're in elementary school or science class in junior high or in college when you get out, you got your degree. No, learning is a lifelong process. Having that growth mindset is something that we all have to instill in our lives. That's what God's saying to these group of people 
that are acting like little bitty babies and little infants and they're still on the bottle and they still have the blankie and he's saying, hey, listen, you're pretty good, but you need to lift weights and get stronger and grow up. Have a growth mindset. That's God's will and God's plan for your life. So a lot of us here know that. I've known a lot of you for many, many years, and I love being around you because iron sharpens iron, and you always have this growth mindset. Whether I'm talking to you about your business, whether I'm talking with you about your relationship, your marriage, uh, your activity in the church and your service, you're always thinking, how can I grow? How can we grow? Iron sharpens iron. You're surrounded here by a lot of people that have that mindset. At the same time, others of us, and at different points in our life, need an Apostle Paul, need a Coach Bethay who's going to tell us the truth and tell us, hey, listen, stop whining, stop complaining, stop worrying. Use this time, use this moment in your life as a time of growth with God. Because no matter where you are, in your red dot, you were here. There are a lot of things about your red dot right now that you cannot control. You may not be able to control your circumstances. You may not be able to control different variables and things that are on your plate. But there's one thing you can control. And that's your response. You control your response. And your growth right now, wherever you are, is contingent on how you respond to God in this season of your life. How will you, how will I respond to God in this season of my life will determine how I grow through this time. You say, well, you don't know my circumstances. You don't know my red dot. You don't know what's going on in my life. I don't. I don't. But I can look at other people, another red dot. I think about Viktor Frankl when he was in Auschwitz and Dachau in Nazi Germany in a concentration camp. And he talked about how we have to respond and find meaning in the midst of even something that dark and painful and difficult. So what does that look like? What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? What do we need to do to grow in this season of our life? Well, one of the things we have to do is, is to figure out what we need to stop. What do, what do we need to stop? Hebrews 12, 1 following says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. So what is it in your life that you're doing? What attitude in your life do you have that's entangling you, that's preventing you from growing, or to use this other analogy, from running the race, that God has for you? What is it you need to stop? St 
Stop the jealousy, is what he's telling these folks. Stop comparing your dot where you are to someone else's dot where they are. You are where you are, okay? You've got to grow in the location and in the situation that you're in right now. So stop comparing. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Stop worrying. What is it you need to stop? What's hindering you? What's entangling you? What's stifling you? What is it? You need to stop. Second question is, if I want to grow, I have to ask, what do I need to start? You know? I need a defense and offense. Where do I stop and what do I start? What do I need to start doing? Maybe you need to start getting up early in the morning and start your day through not checking your social media feed and your phone, but checking in on God's Word. And you need to start your day praying and in God's Word and taking that Word along with you as you go to school, as you go to work. Maybe you need to uh, get involved in volunteering. Maybe you come to church and you sit there and you come on Sunday morning, and that's great. That's fantastic. You need to get involved. You need to volunteer. You need to get your focus off yourself and ask God, God, what can I do to serve and be a part? Those of you who are familiar with 12 steps know the importance of step one and step 12. Step 12 is all about helping others, getting your eyes off yourself. What do I need to start doing? Ask God. God, what is it I need to stop? What is it I need to start? If you have trouble hearing from God, ask one of your closest friends and back up. Because they're probably going to tell you the truth. That's how we grow. That's how we have that growth mindset. Look at Paul and Apollos. They were doing it, weren't they? Here's the passage. Paul was saying, listen, I'm on task. I'm on task. I am planning. Apollos is on task. He is watering. And God's the one who calls it to grow. We're doing our part. And God's the one who causes it to grow. We're not all that. We're just human beings, co-workers with God, doing our task, staying on purpose. We all the same purpose. You need to find what it is that God's wired you to do and do it. It's like Paul goes... You know, full Belichick right here. Do your job. If you're an offensive lineman, block. If you're a quarterback, throw. If you're a running back, run. If you're a defensive back, cover the person. If you're a kicker, kick. If you're a trainer, train. Everybody's got a job to do, a task to do. Be on task. Do your job. In this season of your life, wherever you are, with your red dots. Where does it start? It starts with a simple prayer. Simple prayer. With simply saying, God, I want to grow. So it starts. 
saying that. God, given this season of my life, given my red dot, I want to grow. I want to grow. Just start right there. Start with that prayer. And see what happens next. No matter where you are in, in your red dot, whether you're brand new to God and Christ, whether you're going through a, a crisis, whether you're, whether you're battling an illness, whether you're in a time of prosperity, seize that moment, seize that time to be a time of growth with God. You are here. We may not know where we are on the grand scheme of things, but God knows where you are. He knows who you are. And, and he invites you. He invites you. Say, hey, come along. Come along with me. I want you to grow and to go in a new and a fresh way. We'll talk more about that next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Kids, ask your parents. Let's pray.